Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus on this just beautiful Sunday morning. A little drizzle out, but it is uh, it's gorgeous. We need the, we need the moisture. It's uh, nice to have you all with us. And um, we talk every week to the experts from 7 to 10 Mountain Standard Time, and we have them talk about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles. We, we have them talk about a specific topic or about their own profession. Or in this case, we're going to talk about a book, and we're going to talk about uh, talk with the author, authors. And uh, so it is. Uh, it's always exciting to get all this, you know, groundbreaking stuff that's going on. And uh, we learn so much during this during these three hours. But as always, I like to remind you that whatever is being said on the program should never be seen as a cure or a final answer for anything that you're dealing with at this time. It is. Uh, we're here to educate and inform and entertain and um, we hope that you see a physician of your choice and keep reading on information either on the internet or go to books magazines go to the library uh, look sometimes at the discovery channel might you might find some great answers over there so uh, we are here to uh, to 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 kind of warm you up to the idea and then you can do with the information whatever you like but uh, during the program of course everything that is being said, you can call us and you can uh, ask questions about it. We are. I have in the studio here Donna Wallace uh, from Bozeman, and she is a she is a very versatile lady. But first of all, she's a mother, and so happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, it's very nice to have you with us. Uh, we've had uh, Donna on uh, in the past, also with Dr. Ray Strand, who is my my other guest, who is on the phone with us, and uh, and Donna will also be my main guest uh, in a few weeks. We're going to talk about a topic that is very dear to her heart. So let me tell you a little bit about both Donna and Dr. Ray Strand. Dr. Ray Strand is a general practice physician in Rapid City, South Dakota. He is a graduate of the University of Colorado Medical School in 1971. He finished his postgraduate education at Mercy Hospital in San Diego, California. He has been in private family practice for over 30 years and over the past seven plus years has focused his practice on nutritional medicine. He's quickly becoming one of the leading authorities in nutritional medicine in the world. He has lectured on nutritional medicine uh, across the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and England. During his career, he has been active in the American Academy of Family Physicians, the South Dakota Medical Association, the Christian Medical and Dental Society, and the Black Hills District Association. You can find more information about Dr. Strand when you go to his website, which is raystrand.com. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's really a lot of information. You'll find more about his different books. We're going to talk today about a book that he wrote. It's called Healthy for Life. Now, we've had Dr. Strand on in the past when we talked about the book that he collaborated, that Donna collaborated with him, uh, called Death by Prescription. And what your doctor doesn't know about nutritional medicine may be killing you. And so today we're talking about his latest book, uh, which is called Healthy for Life, Developing Healthy Lifestyles That Have a Side Effect of Permanent Fat Loss. And uh, Donna Wallace lives right here in Bozeman after she has taught as a professor of sociology in California for several years. And uh, like I mentioned, she has written uh, three books with Dr. Strand, and she has written over a dozen books uh, in the last, I don't know how many years, but it is, you, you write them as they come. <laughs> <laughs> in the last four years, uh, she puts her fingers up. So uh, it is very nice to have you in the studio, Donna, and Dr. Strand with us on the phone. Dr. Strand, how are you doing? Good morning to you. Well, good morning to you. I'm doing great. All right. Well, I really appreciate you could be with us today. 
And uh, this book is uh, is fascinating. I think it is an, it is uh, Donna's style is very easy to read. Uh, she's a lot of fun to read, and uh, the book is definitely a very a very uh, how you say it. It's it's very readable for anybody who wants to learn more about how to how to live a healthier lifestyle. Well, thank you, and I I believe Donna does a great job too. That's why uh, I love have, love working with her. Yeah, besides she that she's a very nice person. <laughs> That's right. I try hard. That's very pleasant. <laughs> you might want to come a little closer to the microphone okay. or pull the microphone to you. Okay. Uh, well, we uh, you know, Doctor Strand, I uh, we really want to go through this book, and uh, I want to ask you though. Uh, with uh, last week, week and a half ago, they came out with a new food pyramid. Have you done any uh, reading on that, and what are your thoughts about it? Well, uh, I, I have not looked at it totally. I've discussed it with other doctors who have looked at it, and uh, uh, you know, and it sounds like it's very complicated. And uh, they they had one problem: they missed the boat. Uh, and basically, uh, they're they're uh, you know, the USDA food pyramid basically has has a problem of being politically oriented and not scientifically based. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And the biggest problem is the base of the food pyramid. Uh, Still are all these grains, eight to eleven uh, servings of grains each yes. and every day, and mm-hmm. even uh, I'm not alone in this criticism. But even Dr. Walter Willett, who's a head of nutrition and preventive medicine at Harvard, mm-hmm. has said this is a, a real misleading aspect of the food pyramid because um, the majority of these foods, over 85, 90 percent, the way they're processed, actually are worse than sugars, and they should be above on the top of the food pyramid. The food pyramid should look like a T. Yeah. But I think oh. they've complicated the issue, and uh, they still have not uh, answered the problems, and that's going to improve the health of, of us and everybody in the U.S., yeah, the, uh, I, I think indeed for, for people, the way it has been presented, the majority of Americans will look at this and say, oh, wow, you know, they corrected themselves. This must be better. And um, I think it is confusing for a lot of people. Now, on the other hand, I don't know how many Americans are really reading these kind of articles and really are interested in the food pyramid, especially when they get hungry. They usually grab anything they can get their hands on. Well, that's true. And, and uh, we're all creatures of habit. Yeah. And uh, that's what I've been dealing with the last two or three years in my office and uh, on my program over the Internet and just trying to uh, help people develop these healthier lifestyles. And really, they are simple, uh, but people just need to understand the principles. And once you do it, actually, you're freed up because what we talk about, uh, you never go hungry. Yeah. Uh, when you're hungry, you eat. You eat to be satisfied. Yeah. Uh, you have more energy, and you feel great. So most people, once they understand it, uh, don't have too much trouble staying with it. No, and and it's it's I think more and more clear as we age that our metabolism slows down. So we have to be somewhat careful when we put what we put in our mouth because about ten fifteen minutes after we eat, it's finally in our stomach and it's really bulging right there and I feel a little bit uh, you feel a little pressure so you have to be somewhat careful what you put what you actually put in your plate well to some extent you know i i thought that for years that uh, the problem was that their metabolism slowed down but when you really look at it uh, uh, the problem is that many of us slip over or tip over into an abnormal metabolic state uh, called insulin resistance and uh, and it's really affecting over half the population yeah and when that happens, uh, a calorie is no longer a calorie. And mm. It goes totally against uh, what people have been talking about for the last 50 years, that uh, it's calories in, it has to equal calories out. And when you tip over 
into this abnormal metabolic state, you hold on to fat like a sponge holds on to water. You mm-hmm. are stuck. And so your food just isn't handled normally. And so it's more that, I feel, uh, than a slowing down of metabolism. Uh-huh. So what, what exactly is insulin resistance then? Well, what happens over time is we just become less and less sensitive to our own insulin. There's, a, uh, there's really a, uh, what, what we're finding. Uh, we have to back up to a, a theory back in 1901. Uh, what we found was that uh, we've been basing everything for the last century on a concept that since carbohydrates are merely long chains of sugar, mm-hmm. that the shorter sugars, like simple sugars, are absorbed quicker than what we call complex carbohydrates. Right. Uh, and so that has been the theory for over 100 years and the basis of, of much of our medical decisions. However, in 1981, a Dr. Jenkins came out with a concept, well, let's just test that. And so he would fee- feed or, or uh, have a have a, a study uh, patient just go ahead and take a, a food like a banana or an apple or bread or you know, potatoes or whatever, and then mm-hmm. just check the rise in blood sugar following the intake of that particular carbohydrate. Yeah. And then he compared it to a controlled food called, it's usually glucose or white bread. Yeah. But what amazed everybody is that foods that, uh, or complex carbohydrates like bread, cereals, rice, potatoes, actually spiked your sugar faster uh-huh. than if you were spooning uh, table sugar onto your tongue. In other words, it was... Uh, our bodies were just set up to absorb this. And so we're continually spiking our blood sugar. And there are some theories why this happens. But over time, we simply uh, keep abusing our insulin because when the blood sugar rises very rapidly, it stimulates the release of insulin. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of uh, uh, what we're finding. And so the glycemic index uh, is starting to take over. And it's, in fact, uh, it's well accepted everywhere in the world except in the U.S., and uh, here we're still going back to the 1901 theory. And uh, so what we, we have to understand is that 85 to 90% of the carbohydrates our children and the adults are eating in the U.S. today are these high glycemic, highly processed carbohydrates. Huh. And uh, so we're continually spiking our blood sugar. Yeah. And so what really, uh, uh, what really is a concern is when that blood sugar spikes, it actually causes stress uh, because it releases, you know, we talked last time about free radicals and antioxidants, but it releases a tremendous amount of free radicals and causes inflammation of the arteries, especially the smallest arteries, the capillaries mm. of a muscle. Mm. And it causes it to go into spasm. If you go out and have a bagel, orange juice, and coffee, thinking you're having a good breakfast, that spikes your blood sugar, and you end up... Uh, your arteries go into spasm for four to five hours after that meal. Wow. And you continually do that. But the other problem is, is as that blood sugar rises, you overstimulate the release of insulin, which drives that sugar into the, you know, insulin is our storage hormone. It's going to drive the sugar into the cell to either be utilized or stored as fat or glycogen. Well, the blood sugar drops very rapidly and usually goes below normal into this low blood sugar range or hypoglycemia. And the body, if, if we allow that to continue, then what happens is is that uh, you can have, you not only get shaky, weak, or confused, but you can have a seizure or go into a coma. So the body protects against that by actually uh, stimulating the release of stress hormones, cortisol, oh, adrenaline, yeah. to drive that blood sugar back up to normal. But what happens is, is that we are left with an uncontrollable hunger. In other words, uh, you, you just have to eat again. 
Mm. And you usually crave this another high glycemic meal and it keeps spiking that blood sugar. Well, over time, what happens is you just become less sensitive to your own insulin and develop insulin resistance. And it might take 10, 12, 15 years of doing this, but then you tip over into this abnormal metabolic state. But is is it so that when you talk about the insulin resistance, it, when you talk about the sugar that is pushed into the cell and that now is either used for energy or stored as fat, if the cell is not active, if the cell is not it cannot deal with this uh, with this uh, sugar and turns it into a fat, over time, doesn't this fat kind of plug up the cell's, uh, um, you know, um, uh, drainage channel, so to say. I mean, this every cell has a supply and a drainage uh, uh, yeah. channel, and and that therefore you get this uh, toxin in the cell. That is where you talk about the free radicals. And yeah, that, no, actually, what happens yeah. is is over time. Uh, you know, we talk about the thickened capillaries of the muscle. This is where insulin resistance starts. Is in the muscle. Yeah, it actually becomes a physical barrier for insulin to pass from the bloodstream to the cell where it needs to attach to the receptor site uh, where it needs to be to do its job. And so the body compensates for that by actually making more insulin. So blood insulin levels begin to rise when this happens. Mm-hmm. To hammer that blood, you know, that insulin across that thickened uh, vessel wall, And it, but as that blood insulin levels rise, what happens is a lot of metabolic changes occur and your blood pressure goes up. Uh, your cholesterol, triglycerides go up. That good HDL cholesterol goes down. Yeah. Uh, you 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 have a lot more inflammation in in the all your arteries. Right. And then what happens is, and here's where the where people don't understand, is that since the muscle becomes insulin resistant first, what happens? It's like the the glucose train from your meal mm-hmm. that normally should be taken up by the uh, by the muscle, 85 to 90 percent of the time is diverted, or the tracks get switched over to the fat cells of the abdomen. And so you got the worst situation in the world. You have these high insulin levels, and one of insulin's jobs is to is to convert sugar to fat and and store it in the fat cells. So that's where the fat goes. One of the jobs from insulin is to turn sugar into fat. Right. Wow. And the other job is to block the release of fat from those fat cells. So the abdominal fat cells just get fatter and fatter, bigger and bigger and bigger. And what this is why I say when you tip over into this state, a calorie is no longer a calorie because uh, it, it should normally be taken up and utilized by the muscle, but it can't because of insulin resistance in the muscle. And so that's why when people start gaining weight around their middle, uh, they, they better beware because that's a sign. Uh, of insulin resistance and and uh, women when it gets over 34 inches uh, they pretty much have full-blown metabolic syndrome huh. and men when it gets over 40 inches they have full-blown metabolic syndrome and you know we call this killer fat because what happens is it's associated with all these other changes and eventually leads to a very high risk of heart disease and most of these people end up being coming diabetic wow that is uh, it's very interesting how you explain that but and, and so now in your book uh, called Healthy for Life, um, you talk then about the combination of what do we need to do with the food? First of all, I mean, food should be, you should eat, you know, to live and not live to eat and, and, and combine that with exercises and mental attitude and emotional balance and nutritional supplements in order to reverse that and keep it at a healthy level. 
Yeah, you know, the problem in the medical community is, you know, what we are, you know, we're content to wait till that patient develops high blood pressure, and then we'll prescribe our drugs or that elevated cholesterol or right. triglycerides, and we prescribe our drugs or wait till they become diabetic or have heart disease. Yeah. Uh, and then that's the way we've treated it, but we, we, we don't, uh, you know, really attack the underlying cause, which is this insulin resistance in, mm-hmm. in the majority of cases of our diabetics and, uh, uh, high blood pressure and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Here's where we, where the problem is, is that the body then, because it can compensate and make more insulin, as blood insulin levels rise to meet this insulin resistance, blood sugars remain the same. But eventually, the fat cells become insulin resistant, yeah. and they don't respond to insulin normally, and they start spilling fat into the bloodstream, and this can be toxic to the body. And this is where the tox, they call it lipotoxicity, and that's what you are referring to earlier. Yeah. It actually gets in the bloodstream, and it can damage the, uh, the beta cells which produce the insulin in the pancreas. And pretty soon the body just can't keep putting out that much insulin. Insulin levels begin to drop, mm-hmm. and whoops, there goes the blood sugar, and you become diabetic. And mm-hmm. that's when the doctor steps in. And, and the problem with that is the fact that over 60% of my patients, the very first day I diagnosed that they have diabetes in the hospital or in the, in the office, actually have major cardiovascular disease already. Already, huh? Yeah. Already. And so 80% of my patients uh, are going to die, diabetics are going to die of a cardiovascular death, a heart attack, a stroke, an aneurysm, something like that. And that was true in 1970, and it's true in 2005. We're not doing anything with all of our medicine, everything. But the thing that we have to start to realize as physicians and patients is that insulin resistance begins 12, 15 years before they become diabetic. That's the time the doctor needs to jump in and actually start trying to help the patient because your arteries begin aging a third faster than they should right back then. And we're waiting 12, 15 years to treat it. So then the question comes, why in the world aren't we treating it back, you know, when it starts? Well, There's a couple reasons. One is uh, we aren't recognizing it, or we weren't before. We're starting to recognize it more. But I think the biggest reason we don't treat it is we don't have a drug for it or a drug approved by the FDA Mm -hmm. uh, to do that. So that comes to your question, well, how do you treat this? Well, it has to be. The only thing you can do is to develop these healthy lifestyles that actually improve insulin sensitivity and reverse this whole thing. And you can tip back into this normal metabolic state and begin releasing fat and blood pressure comes down, cholesterol comes down, you can prevent diabetes. And and so it's true preventive medicine, what I talk about in this book, Healthy for Life. Yes. So the the, the number one step will be the dietary change. Uh, You don't want to go full-blown exercising and not change your diet because uh, you can cause all kinds of problems. Yeah, you know, and this is what I've learned in my practice. I've been doing this now for seven years in my clinic now that we begin to recognize it. And what I have found is if I get my patients to make one of these healthy lifestyle changes, and and it's a triad that you just mentioned, it's eating a healthy diet that doesn't spike your blood sugar, eating the good fats, the good proteins, and the good carbs, a modest exercise program, uh, and and nutritional supplementation. If I get them to make one of these changes, I see some improvement. If I get them to make two of these changes, I see a little bit more improvement. Mm-hmm. But if I can get them to make all three of these changes, the results are phenomenal and yeah. because they all improve insulin sensitivity. And when you combine them together, 
uh, you just get tremendous results. Exactly. And I think the results will be very fast, too, if people can actually uh, make that choice and, and, and have the right guidance, as you explain in your book. So the book is very practical for people. It has recipes. It has a good explanation about exactly what's going on because I think mentally understanding as you are explaining in this first half hour here, um, is number one. People have to understand why they're doing this because it helps them every day to get up and uh, to, to take care of themselves during the day. And then I think um, I think as they go along and they realize that diet is number one, then you know they, with the exercise and with the supplements, they probably see a very fast change. Within, within three weeks to a month, they can see a huge difference. Right, and there's a couple other very important points. And I well, think I do want I do good. want to talk to you about that, but we're going to have to go listen to oh. the news for just a few moments. Sounds All good. Right. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Donna Wallace and Dr. Ray Strand. Now, we, we talked about, uh, at the end of the first half hour, we were talking about the pancreas. And and one of the things, you know, pancreas, we realize it's insulin. And when we talk about insulin, people realize sugar. And, and so that is a problem in this country as far as, carbohydrates, uh, we have just become addicts of carbohydrates. What's going on with that? Well, I think we've kind of set it up. The medical community back in the 70s really believed uh, that there was problems with, uh, with fat. And so we had a fear of fat. And so our main talk for the last 30 years is, man, we've got to cut down fat. And we've been fairly successful. We've gone from about 42% of our calories coming from fat down to 32%. But the problem is we've increased the amount of carbs we've been taking in. And uh, the other sad thing is the food industry has been processing these carbs and thinking, well, gee, it doesn't contain fat, therefore it's okay. Yeah. And we've set off this whole whole epidemic of diabetes and obesity. And, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, here we've cut down fat thinking we're going to have you know thinner people, and we've turned out that obesity has tripled. Uh, in, in that time period, both in the adults and children. So yeah. we're left ourselves with a very, very difficult situation. And, and that's why when you brought up the food pyramid, uh, it missed the boat. Uh, yeah. The boat problem is carbohydrates are the problem, but it's not carbohydrates per se. It, it is the high glycemic carbs and all the sugar we're taking in. I mean, uh, our body needs carbohydrates, as you well know. Yes. Uh, we need the fruits and vegetables that contain all those good vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. Yes. That's right. Absolutely true. And uh, it is uh, confusing with all the new diets. I mean, there's, there's been, uh, we have the South Beach diet, the blood type, the Atkins. Uh, we have all these different diets out. Uh, Dr. Phil has come in with his book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is confusing because everybody realizes that uh, we want to feel as good as we can. And, and the information out there is just overwhelming. And we don't have time to, to test all of them and do a month of this and a month of that and, and have the whole family drag them all <laughs> with, mm. with, 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 with the one person who really needs to do it and wants to do it. So it becomes very confusing. And I, I, that's what I appreciate about your book, Healthy for Life, uh, that it explains a lot of things very clearly and and that we have a basic understanding of what's going on in our life and i i we do want to get our caller on because we want to clear that line also for people to call in caller good morning your name how can we help you good morning jacobus christian hi christian hey, good morning. Uh, well good morning yeah, great morning to you thank you as it looks outside to me yes <laughs> i got this morning ritual thing i ate a boiled egg i put a little uh, red pepper on it and then I put a little bit of uh, garlic on it, and I eat it. Yeah. Uh, isn't it my belief and my question to the, the doctors, 
that's going to raise my blood sugar level a whole lot slower with mm-hmm. the well, surplus right that I yeah. put in my tea. Mm-hmm. Well, he's right. Um, you know, eggs are a very good source of, of, uh, of protein. And yeah. actually, if you get range-fed chicken eggs, you get good omega-3 fats. Oh. And what the literature shows is cholesterol does not raise your blood cholesterol when you eat it. It's the saturated fat. Mm-hmm. And so eggs are a very good source. And, you know, when children were tested, uh, they, they gave them a veggie omelet with fruit and compared them with the same amount of calories to taking instant oatmeal, which we think is good. But the kids that ate the instant oatmeal, it spiked their blood sugar. And they found that the rest of the day, the people who had the high glycemic breakfast actually ate 80% more calories than those that had the low glycemic. So Hmm. having eggs in the morning and uh, not spiking your blood sugar is a very good start to your day. Now, what exactly is the the glycemic index? Because we hear the word and there are books out, but what exactly is it? Well, it's the rate that blood sugar rises following the ingestion of a particular carbohydrate, like a potato or rice or something, and that's they compare it to glucose. So, uh, you know, sugar, table sugar, has a glycemic index of 60, Mm -hmm. but white bread has a glycemic index of 70. It's actually higher. Mm -hmm. Wheat bread, brown bread is 77, a potato is 85, and it just... So what we're finding is all these foods that we once thought were complex carbohydrates actually spike our sugar faster uh, than eating blood sh- or than eating just plain simple sugar. And not that we're eating a lot of sugar, but we're also eating a lot of white bread and wheat yeah. bread and cereals and yeah. rice and pastas, pastas. Yeah. and it's not good. Mm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So the uh, we talked about the carbohydrate addicts. Um, there is indeed an obesity problem, as you mentioned, and uh, it is well published. Uh, <laughs> you see it all the time. Now, uh, there is still in people this fear of eating fat. And there are, of course, good fats that we can consume, uh, the fish oils, uh, some of the, maybe some flaxseed oil. Um, but people go also into things such as coconut oil and macadamia nut oil and almond oil. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Well, you're right. There are good fats out there and there are bad fats. And actually, the good fats, you know, let's talk olive oil, uh, uh, olives, your, your nuts, almonds, uh, and a lot of your nuts, even macadamians, if, if they're uh, not highly processed, actually will lower your cholesterol. Yeah. Uh, they will raise HDL. And, in fact, there was a study just released this last week uh, uh, in the uh, American Journal of, uh, or the uh, Archives of Internal Medicine yeah. that said if you take in good levels of uh, filtered fish oil, you know, or this omega-3 fat, it actually decreases your risk of having a heart attack greater than taking Lipitor or Zocor. Wow. And so we're starting to see uh, evidence coming in that our diet plays a very important role. So uh, I don't... Fat is not the problem. It's it's the bad fat, the saturated and trans fats, primarily. Uh, and so you stay away from that. But the same thing with the carbohydrates. You don't want to go like Atkins and eliminate carbs. You want to eliminate the high glycemic uh, carbs and a lot of the sugar. And you can have all the fruits, the vegetables, the legumes, the beans, the nuts that you want uh, because these will not spike your blood sugar. We kind of have to go back and eat like... Uh, uh, our grandmas used to to cook. We just get away from these highly processed foods and certain high glycemic carbohydrates like the white potato, and we're fine. Mm-hmm. And Dre, I I love the omega three fats because of the the uh, satisfaction that it gives me in in feeling full. 
it, and you might want to tell us a little bit about how it slows that gastric emptying. Right. Well, the, the gentleman who was on the line said, you know, he doesn't raise his blood sugar. There's two things. Protein uh, is absorbed slowly, mm-hmm. and then fat will actually uh, slow down the emptying of food from the stomach, and uh-huh. uh, so your blood sugar rises slower. So when you start to combine, and that's what the book talks about, the good fats, the good proteins, and the good carbs, uh, you don't spike your blood sugar, so therefore uh, you're much more satisfied, like Donna says, after that meal. Uh, you don't turn around and spike the blood sugar and then drop down in this low blood sugar range. Uh, so you get out of what I call this carbohydrate addiction, because what we have been calling emotional eating and cravings really is people who spike their blood sugar and then drop in this low blood sugar range mm-hmm. and set this off. And what Donna, so when she jumped in here and, and brought a concept to the book, which I really appreciated, is that when you get out of this carbohydrate addiction, and for, for some people it might take three days, some people it might take a couple weeks, wow. but when you finally get out, you are actually freed up to eat healthy, delicious food. And mm-hmm. I think that's when people get on this program, they start to realize man, I'm not hooked and I I can, you know, I'm not craving these foods and I feel good. I have more energy Mm -hmm. and I'm not hungry. If you're hungry, just eat another meal that doesn't spike your blood sugar. Mm -hmm. When he told me that he could break my carb addiction, I just laughed because I was one where sugar may may have well been cocaine. I I could sit and eat a bag of marshmallows and it's, that's gross. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that you want to sit around and chat with about with your friends. Right. And, um, and I, I'm not a binge eater, but there were times where I just, the craving was so strong. It really did. Uh, I had the same effect as any other type of addict. Mm-hmm. And he said, Donna, that will go away. And I just, I couldn't believe it because mm-hmm. my, my craving for sugar was so strong and uh, it, it truly does go away. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you, um, mm. when you have chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia too, these people out there, yeah. uh, they are much more sensitive to sugar. And of course, they think they'll feel well for 5, 10, 15 minutes and they'll mm-hmm. spike their blood sugar, but they get caught up in this cycle. And, and it's just like having to, you know, the pe- what people have to realize when they set this off, it's kind of like uh, having a full bladder, you're, you're going to have to go to the bathroom. And when you get into this range, you have to eat. That's what the medical literature shows. It's it's not a choice. You're going to eat something. Now, you might be able to hold back for a while, but uh, uh, you've got to get out of that cycle. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do it is start eating healthy, delicious food. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Strand, the, um, um, the ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 is not always well understood by most people on a daily basis. Uh, people think about fish oil and say, uh, yeah, it's yucky. I mean, there's been a lot of changes in the, in the fish oil and the, 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 the molecular distillation has definitely helped to make sure that we don't have no uh, PCBs and dioxins and mercury in it. Uh, on the other hand, the, we have the concept of too much omega-6. My understanding is that in the last 150 years, we are consuming 600% more omega-6s. We consume 400% less omega-3s. And uh, since omega-3s are always anti-inflammatory, and omega-6s are inflammatories, and you see omega-6s in shampoos and soaps and conditioners. You see it in the nuts and seeds, uh, if we have too many of them. We see it in the canola seed oil and the flaxseed of in the, uh, in the, uh, in the safflower, the sunflower oil. All these oils that we're cooking with, um, it seems that also that could be causing an inflammatory problem in people's body. 
Do you agree with that? Oh yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, it just we just have too much inflammation in our body, yeah. and inflammation is the at the at the root of what I'm talking about. Uh, we're now seeing it's the you know the root cause of heart disease, of of not only diabetes but of strokes, cancer, Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's. You know, it's an inflammatory response, and so the biggest thing we can do is is to bring back this ratio closer to what we need, which is at least uh, 2 to 1, yeah. and we're at 20 to 1 and 40 to 1 I know. of omega-6 to omega-3, and yeah. so you're really right on uh, that that's what people need to be doing, and, and it, it all, uh, and there we are, we're, we're eating, we actually need to eat more fat to, uh, to correct our problem, and that's what we're starting to understand. Is the uh, intake of too many omega-6s, is that also damaging to uh, the hormonal cycle? As a lot of women have, there are more women with hormonal problems today, unless they talk about it more than 50, 60 years ago. But it seems like there are more issues with hormones, both for men and for women. Is that partly related to the omega-6 increase? Well, I think it's the it's what's with those foods. You know, omega-6 are, are in our highly processed foods. And, uh, you know, in a lot of the foods that we take in, the meats yeah. and dairy products. So uh -huh. what happens is uh, they also contain a lot of other contaminants yeah. and uh, xenoestrogens and stuff like that. And so I think as people go back to more natural whole foods mm -hmm. uh, and, and you get away from a lot of the highly processed foods, this will come back into balance because you're not taking, you know, that's the benefit. Plus, you're getting all the fiber yes. uh, when you start eating this way. So I think you will see some indefinite improvement. Mm -hmm. And all of that. Mm -hmm. All right. Let me see. We, when we talk, I mean, there are so many questions. Yeah. I don't even know where to start, Donna. If you have a question, go ahead and ask it. Well, you, of course, you read the book. <laughs> you wrote the book. Well, I'm going to have her come in, you know, at the end here and yes. kind of explain kind of from a personal standpoint what she learned. But, you know, people also need to be doing a modest exercise. You know, we talked about diet. Yes. But the other part of the program is you need to be exercising because inactivity is part of this whole thing of increasing insulin resistance and just merely walking briskly 30 minutes five times a week can significantly improve your sensitivity to your own insulin. Yes. And then the third aspect is that we find that, that when you take uh, nutrients in in supplementation, um, and I call it cellular nutrition in the book, but just to be specific, like selenium and chromium, yeah. vanadium and, and magnesium, along with your other antioxidants, yes. these make you more sensitive to your own insulin. Mm -hmm. And to reverse insulin resistance is very difficult, so you need to be doing all three aspects. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'd like to really also mention, how do people know when they're falling into something like this? Well, really, all you have to do is take out a tape measure and, and uh, measure your waist. Yeah. Uh, if your waistline is expanding, uh, or your blood pressure is going up, or your doctor's telling you, boy, your HDL cholesterol is low, yeah. or your triglycerides are going up, uh, you start to recognize you've tipped over into this metabolic uh, problem of insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. So uh, those are things that very easy to pick up, even... even uh, uh, people who are out there who haven't seen a doctor for a long time. A good point. Caller, good morning to you. Your name and how can we help you? Uh, this is Dr. Gene Jacobus. Hello, Gene. Yeah. Hi, Gene. Hi, Donna. And hi, Dr. Strand. Hi. Um, I just have to call and thank Dr. Strand and Donna for their commitment. I've read all your books. As, as you know, we have a, a common interest here in terms of human um, nutrition. Yeah. And I'm an environmental scientist wanting a healthy environment for healthy people to live in and we need to do both but uh, your commitment uh, i think is absolutely phenomenal and i just 
wanted to compliment you on that. And you're not dealing with a, a fad here. You're dealing with the trend of the future. And we all have to support that in uh, every way we can. So I, I say you have a brought to the table a knowledge that you certainly understand and have created an immense amount of wisdom, and, and I can't thank you enough for your efforts. Well, thank you. I just wanted to express that feeling and wish you well on this Mother's Day and everybody. And I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of the program, Donna. So. All right. Great. Well, thank you, Gene. Appreciate that. Yeah. And well, we're looking forward to talking to you again in a few yeah, months. Yeah, July right. the 10th, I believe, we got me on again. That's right. Well, thanks so, for the call. You, yeah, thank you. And uh, I hope Anne has a very nice day today also. Yeah, we are, definitely. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Gene. Bye. Um, all right. Well, the uh, that is that's great stuff, Doctor Strand. Sadly enough, we have come to the end of the first hour here, and uh, like I, Donna said, oh, he can talk, and I know that. <laughs> it is too bad we have to squeeze it all in just an hour. There is so much to talk about, as she said, and I, I would like to hear more about your ideas about supplements and how far supplements fit in there. But, Doctor Strand, thank you so much for being with us today, and all the best with all your work. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Folks, uh, we're going to take a short break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Dr. Der- Terry Allsteel, and we're going to continue talking about the Healthy for Life book, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Now, in the second hour, because Dr. Strand had to leave, um, he called a friend of his, this Dr. Terry Allsteel, who is a general surgeon in Spearfish, uh, South Dakota, and he has done that for 20-plus years. Now, Dr. Allsteel has uh, has a very interesting story to tell because he knows Dr. Strand very well, and he started working with the Healthy for Life book, and um, it's been very uh, enlightening for him, and, and so he has been uh, become a big supporter and educator to other people about his experiences. And Dr. Allsteel, it's with great pleasure that we welcome you to the program. Thank you, Jacobus, and uh, good morning, Donna. It's good to uh, actually talk to you, and uh, I don't believe we've ever met, but I've heard wonderful things about you from Dr. Strand. And my goodness, uh, the same. Thank you. Well, Dr. Allsteel, you have uh, you grew up totally in the medical field, uh, and as a, as a general surgeon, obviously very busy, and all of a sudden, I understand that you had some issues with your own health, and you didn't know where to go, and what happened? Well, that is correct. Uh, actually, Dr. Strand and I have been friends for a lot of years, and uh, when he had some surgical issues, he actually came and talked to me, and we uh, dealt with some issues with uh, from a surgical perspective there. Mm-hmm. And during that time, uh, he introduced me to some of the work that he was doing down in his clinic, and I became very intrigued with it, began reading some of his uh, excellent books, and uh, just kind of opening the door to my thought there. But I came home to roost, so to speak, when I actually uh, suffered a heart attack. Hmm. And this has uh, been uh, now uh, about five, six years ago, something like that. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Strand uh, actually read my mail, so to speak. I remember sitting sometime thereafter uh, at lunch with him, talking it over, and he said, Terry, you are in insulin resistance. Uh-huh. And I said, well, what are you talking about? I'm not a diabetic. And uh, he said, you have central obesity, you have high blood pressure, you have heart disease. And he just went on down the line, mm-hmm. <clears throat> including uh, some symptoms that I didn't know anybody knew that I had. And uh, uh, in essence, he, he uh, read my mail. And indeed, when we did lab work through Dr. Strand's uh, clinic, I found that I was <clears throat> in insulin resistance, although I was not a diabetic. Uh-huh. 
And one of the stunning things to me, because I had actually been taking medication for heart disease uh, prior to my heart attack. Yeah. When my labs came back, my lipid panel, cholesterol, etc., was normal. Really interesting. Normal. Mm -hmm. But when you did all the uh, calculations, you found that indeed uh, my relationship between my HDL and my triglycerides showed that I truly was in insulin resistance and despite normal levels of these uh, 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 lipids in my blood. And here with normal lipid panel, I had a heart attack. Uh -huh. And that got my attention. Mm -hmm. The, uh, you know, Dr. Alsteel, do you work uh, at all with the thyroid? I, I myself, I work in a natural food store and I primarily uh, focus on the supplements and sitting down and helping people with issues that are coming up. Uh, one thing uh, with the thyroid, uh, which deals a lot with metabolism in the body, um, I find out that people have issues with weight gain and insulin resistance also because their uh, the reading of their thyroid stimulating hormone is not been correctly diagnosed because the the medical society says if your thyroid stimulating hormone the TSH is between 0.5 and pretty much 5.0 they say your levels are normal where other research says that if it is between 0.5 and 2.0 it is normal and anything above 2 means that there is too much output of thyroid stimulating hormone which means your thyroid is hypoactive underactive and um, I see people who have indeed issues with uh, depression, with weight gain, not sleeping well at night, hormonal problems. And the medical doctor tells them everything is normal, the TSH is normal, and they're like at 3.25, 3.75, which is so-called in the normal range. But from other aspects, it is in the, in the, in the hypothyroid range. Um, was that an issue with you at all, uh, the thyroid? And, and have you done any studies on that? Yes, we did. It was not an issue with me, however. Okay. And uh, that's a very true statement, Jacobus. Uh, um, when we get these uh, lab levels that are declared normal, those are uh, kind of averaged across the entire population. Yeah. And so uh, for given individuals, uh, what might be normal for you and me may not be normal for them. Right. And indeed, if TSH levels are uh, elevated, or close to elevated, uh, you ought to be suspicious about that aspect of their uh, metabolic status. Mm -hmm. So it is a uh, it is definitely something that I see uh, has caused quite a few problems. And uh, uh, when you go to your doctor and say, well, the doctor says, well, it's all normal, and you don't actually get a test result in your hand that you can take home with you, and you just get the okay while well, everything is fine. And these people deal with these issues with blood sugar levels, and that may cause you know the, the low blood sugar and then cause the depression and the obesity, the weight gain, the fatigue, the not sleeping well at night, skin problems, hormonal problems. And, and you don't get a good read on that, then uh, next thing the doctor will say, go on antidepressants. Mm -hmm. Well, this is true. I will tell you, however, that uh, what I see across the board is, and uh, uh, every day in my clinic, uh, I have people who come in with uh, obesity issues, yeah. uh, not because they're obese, but because they've got other symptoms going on in the body that are surgical in nature. Yeah, I see. And uh, I will tell you that it's uh, kind of odd, but most people uh, wish that it was a thyroid problem, mm. and it's not. I see. Uh, and it has a lot to do with what they have chosen in their lifestyles, and I think this is where Dr. Strand's uh, book is so apropos to uh, the moment because uh, most people are so focused on their weight that they don't recognize that the, the constellation of health has many other issues, 
And weight is just a side effect of the metabolic syndrome, mm-hmm. side effect of insulin resistance, and not, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a vicious circle, of course, but they come in focused on, on, on their, their overweight problem. Yeah. And I will tell you the reason for that in, in, in medical uh, circles is that when people come in with high blood pressure, they're given a pill. Yeah. When they come in for a heart disease, they're given a pill. Mm-hmm. When they come in for uh, diabetes problems and so on, they're given hopefully a pill and sometimes uh, insulin, of course. Yeah. But the issue, <clears throat> those are all uh, side effects. So uh, they can come in, they can get a pill for all those things, but for their weight, nobody's got a pill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's and right. So they That's want true. a magic answer, uh, wish there was a pill, wish it was their thyroid. But I would say that 90 plus percent of people, it has to do with their lifestyle. Have you, uh, have you seen all these ads for cortisol pills? Yes. That cortisol, how do you feel about that? Well, uh, again, uh, it's, it's coming from the wrong side of the horse, basically. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a, a reaction. You mean on the right side. <laughs> uh, this, uh, cortisol, uh, number one, people who are on this do have some positive effects of it, but they can't get off of it. Mm. Uh, not because it's addictive, but because as soon as they do, their problem comes back. Well, that that's not a way to live your life to to deal with weight problems by taking something. Yeah, the way to deal with that is with lifestyle change. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what Doctor Strand recommended for you and what your your journey started sure. to look like, Doctor sure. Alstead? Uh, well, just as the uh, uh, Healthy for Life uh, book uh, indicates, uh, <clears throat> the way to attack this thing and to start reversing insulin resistance is a three pronged attack. One is to uh, get going with moderate exercise, and that means get your body moving. It doesn't have to be hard exercise, and indeed, uh, someone who's had a heart attack, it should not be. But moderate exercise, get your body moving. Uh, secondly is a good nutritional supplementation that actually gives the cell the nutrition it needs to do what God intended it to do, Yeah. to start uh, fighting uh, the battle with, uh, with good uh, minerals and vitamins at the cellular level. Uh-huh. And then thirdly is to learn to eat so that you don't spike your blood sugar. Mm-hmm. I see. And uh, this is the key to the whole thing right there. Um, because if you can do that, your body starts becoming sensitive to its own, resist- uh, to its own insulin again mm-hmm. rather than resistant. Mm-hmm. And the side effect of this, the side effect is gradual uh, permanent weight loss. Right. right. Yeah. I know another physician that I'm riding with now who says, uh, eat close to the ground. And I mm-hmm. like that concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is a good line. If it's, if it's white or out of a box, just leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> and like another doctor said, if you, if you actually have to read ingredients, stay away from mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That's a good you know? one, too. Yeah. Well, I, what breaks my heart uh, uh, with patients that I see day after day is that uh, I see them in the community coming out of their... Uh, grocery stores with baskets full mm-hmm. of low-fat food mm-hmm. and that low-fat food is laden with high glycemic carbohydrates yeah. they would have been better off eating the fat hmm, interesting interesting now i i would imagine that as a surgeon you can really see a difference in uh, healing time with someone who is struggling with um, insulin resistance versus one who's not is that is that accurate? Oh, absolutely, Donna. And from the start to the finish, I mean, my surgery on someone who needs it is going to be more challenging uh, 
because of insulin resistance and obesity, um, the possibility that they're going to have metabolic issues uh, with anesthesia and so on and so forth. Right, that's, and, that's true. And their healing time uh, is uh, is predictably longer. Mm. How indeed do you deal with that? Uh, people have to fill out obviously their medical information, but indeed when they go under, what are some of the precautions that you have to take when people have uh, diabetes or hyper hyperglycemia, uh, uh, if they're overweight? Mm-hmm. How, how, how do you deal with that uh, during the surgery? Well, first of all, there's real close attention to the glucose levels in the blood, mm. uh, not to get too high and even more importantly, not to get too low because mm-hmm. these... Uh, people will have uh, glucose swings from very high to uh, dangerously low. Yeah. And that's why they experience this ravenous hunger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, about every two hours during the day. Right. So uh, there's attention to that. And uh, secondly, to be very suspicious that there will be other metabolic uh, uh, issues going on with hypertension, uh, heart disease, uh, the possibility of uh, uh, pancreatic abnormalities and so on. Mm. Now, I'm curious how you um, implement your knowledge now of complementary medicine or this healthy lifestyle into your practice. Is there room for that? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. I would say my, my nurses get mad at me because my, my clinics don't move as fast as they used to because <laughs> I'm sitting and talking with people and uh, actually going through their day. Because mm. uh, they, they all have these issues, and I'll say, uh, when's the last time you've been on a diet? And there's kind of a guilty look, and, and then they will say, you know, I've tried a hundred different diets, uh, mm-hmm. and I have people who tell me, I hardly eat anything, and I can't get this weight off. And it's true, mm-hmm. yeah. because the train has changed track, right. and the glucose that comes in and spikes their blood sugar is going to the fat that still has uh, insulin receptors that work rather than to muscle. And uh, uh, they literally cannot lose weight. And so when we start talking about this, it's almost maybe Donna with a psychological background there, you know, mm-hmm. a social background. Mm-hmm. I mean, you uh, you open up a, a Pandora's box mm-hmm. and we start talking about these issues. And it takes some time, mm-hmm. uh, but I uh, have found that I can introduce this to patients very easily. People yeah. are very uh, accepting of something they can do that will help and will change their health situation around. Yeah, and I think that uh, the time when people actually go to a doctor's office, uh, they really feel, they, they really part, pretty much put their trust and their life in your hands. And so to, to just spend only five or ten minutes with them uh, doesn't always give them do, doesn't always give them all the instructions they need when they walk out of the office to actually do what they should be doing. So for you to actually end up spending more time with them is fantastic because people need to understand that you are talking to them on a personal level and not just some textbook right. information. Right. And and that is fantastic. I really appreciate you do that. You know, uh, it's unfortunate, but our, our training, uh, just by its very nature, especially as a surgeon, uh, is reactive Mm. Right. We react to a problem the patient has, and uh, you know our motto is "When in doubt, cut it out." <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you you attack the problem. You hope that you can fix it quickly and get the patient back into the workforce. Yes. But true prevention. I mean, um, uh, modern medicine has has defined preventive medicine as uh, things like uh, mammograms and mm. colonoscopies and. And things like this, but what they are really is early detection. It's right. not prevention. Right. And oh, uh, what Dr. Strand offers here with lifestyle change, I believe, is true 
preventive medicine, and I am so excited to be part of that because mm-hmm. it's going to really prevent problems in the future for these folks. And I find that when we encourage others to do a lifestyle change rather than a diet, uh, and, and Ray does talk about this in the book, that uh, a diet really is a, a losing proposition Absolutely. because either you're on or you're off, and even when you're on, you're either losing some some eating culture or, or something important about celebrating life. But to be able to encourage someone that they can, in fact, uh, take back some control in their choices and live a healthy lifestyle, that really is uh, filled with grace, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. You cannot maintain uh, a diet. You just can't do it because it's abnormal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not balanced. And if uh, you simply just teach your body to... Uh, to choose uh, things that don't spike the blood sugar. For instance, uh, uh, when we come out of surgery, uh, inevitably in these hospitals and so on, they've got trays of donuts and mm. uh, all kinds of uh, high glycemic carbs just sitting all over because most people want them. It gives them a quick rush, exactly, quick yeah. energy. Yes. Uh, they're addicted. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but if you eat an apple, you're, you're satiated. Right. And you yeah. don't need to have that. Uh, and you drink so your water. You drink yeah. your water. Lots of water. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it is interesting. You ask how, even if you love apples, how many do you want to eat? One. <laughs> <laughs> you want to eat one. Yes. Versus a bag of chips. How mm-hmm. many of us find ourselves at the bottom of the bag before we know it? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm wondering, uh, Dr. Alsteel, when you are doing surgery, um, say on someone who's obese, other than fat, is there other things that you find in there? <laughs> that that might not be as healthy as if you were opened a person who say is has a normal range of uh, of their Sure. Their uh, blood or, sugar. Or, yeah, or or even an, another scalpel or a, a, a scissors that another surgeon left in their body. <laughs> I heard that is one of the problems that they have. Yes. <laughs> we know that never happens. <laughs> well, it is true, Donna. Uh, it is uh, a lot of it is related to uh, what we call exogenous obesity, the central obesity, uh, because it's not just around the midline, but it is around the organs and mm. in the organs and. For instance, a, a rather relatively simple operation nowadays is a gallbladder operation. Mm. And um, providentially, when I get done with this uh, broadcast, I'll be heading to the hospital to do one of those. Mm. Yeah. But in an obese individual, their liver is uh, infiltrated with fat. Huh. And that makes it less supple, less easy to lift out of the way, more easy to tear mm-hmm. and cause bleeding. And, uh, yes, it, it just uh, multiplies the difficulty of every surgery you do. Right. And is that, uh, um, you know, I've, I've seen pictures of uh, somebody who is an alcoholic or drinks quite a bit of alcohol or does mm-hmm. drugs, then obviously it has an effect on the liver. Mm-hmm. But that's a different effect that looks different to the liver than what you say about the fat? Yes. Uh, the effects of uh, uh, overuse of alcohol is primarily a scarring. Scarring, effect. okay. Uh, and it sh- the, the liver actually shrinks and becomes more and more scarred and then uh, can get uh, larger early on. But it, uh, with advanced cirrhosis, it's just a hard little um, organ that is uh, really in danger of bleeding and so on. Huh. Wow. Very interesting. I don't know that we, I mean, we think about what our, our clothes look like. We mm-hmm. think about, you know, cellulite, but we're not thinking about fat around our organs. Around the organs, that's right. Oh, that's, that's very, very true. Mm. 
So. Well, this is, uh, you know, I, Dr. Alsteel, I'd like to talk to you more about, uh, kind of follow up on what Donna asked you earlier about some of the recommendations that Dr. Strand gave you and how you went about it. Some of the supplements you took, uh, some of the exercise program that you started, mm-hmm. uh, some of the foods that you used to eat and what you went on to. Okay. And uh, when, but we're going we're gonna to listen to the news and a few commercials for just a moment. Stay tuned. We'll talk to you in just a few. We do have a caller on hold. Caller, good morning to you. Your first name, please, and how can we help you? Well, this is flawed. Flawed? Yeah, I have certain flaws in me, I've noticed. It was a flaw when I was back a hippie. I was quite a critic about plastic foods and uh, these people's plastic lifestyles. But a lot of people around me were singing praises of better living through chemistry. So we were flirting with uh, chemicals. But for the most part, all my baby boomer contemporaries have rushed into plastic food, a a different kind of better living through chemistry, because a lot of these pharmaceuticals are still mind-altering chemicals. But the flawed question that I wanted to ask, you think there's a certain conspiracy that goes on in the society to make us weak and silly, that our bodies are being filled with toxic substances? My eye is smart enough to read this little Debbie, little Debbie food stuff, and those are some weird chemicals that people are putting in themselves. Beside trying to make money off us, you think they're trying to weaken us? Well, thank you for that uh, interesting question. Uh, <laughs> I I would say that, uh, uh, in essence, I, I don't know that there's any great conspiracy, but we do know that uh, food manufacturers who highly process carbohydrates make them more and more high glycemic, which make them more and more addictive to the people that eat them. And um, so this is, uh, you know, there is a money issue in this, just as there is in the medications that the gentleman mentioned as well. Yeah. Uh, pharmaceutical agencies, uh, although they may have great uh, 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 desires to help the uh, general public, recognize that the bottom line is their income. And if we can uh, deal with a symptom rather than cure a disease, we keep people on medication all of their life. Yeah. And in some ways, I think uh, the fast food industry and so on and so forth is in the same boat. They recognize that people get uh, quickly addicted to high glycemic carbohydrates, right. and it's a big moneymaker. Yes, yes. I think indeed that quick addiction is something that we tend to overlook when we talk about it, but it is, uh, it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, as far as the conspiracy is concerned, I think when you think about the fact that the pharmaceutical and the scientist in, in many aspects used to be you know, in the same, you know, going hand in hand with each other, um, then you go, yeah, there is not a lot of education about uh, nutrition. And so why would this food have any problem? And I see indeed that the, um, it doesn't, it seems much harder to undo what has been put into progress. And and like you say, because it is so addictive, uh, so in the minds of the people, and and obviously in the manufacturers, uh, manufacturers from the manufacturers point of view, mm-hmm. it's really hard to reverse it. It takes a, a real concerted effort, and as Dr. Strand had noted in his book, it, you're looking at about a 15 month uh, turnaround time of where you just kind of continue to be diligent in in uh, good lifestyle changes, and by about 15 months it becomes habitual, yeah. and you re- realize that you're feeling so much better you never want to go back. Uh, I, I wonder, Donna and uh, Jacobus, if, have you seen the new food pyramid from the government? Well, actually, we talked to Dr. Strand. I asked Dr. Strand, was my first question, if he had seen it, and I what was what your thoughts were. Yes. 
Well, uh, I don't know if I gave my quote to him yesterday was that the only thing they missed was the boat. <laughs> I think he said so- something similar to that. <laughs> it's more Noah's Ark, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the same thing uh, with a little bit more color in it. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, the, the segment that represents milk intake, mm-hmm. milk intake, is wider and larger than fruit. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I see. And I'm looking actually at it a right little here. bigger than vegetables. Yes. Something. And, and guess which one takes the biggest uh, uh, space again? Grains. Yes. Mm-hmm. And absolutely that wouldn't right. be all bad if we, if we, uh, we took in excellent grains, you know, really, uh, uh, you know, whole kernel uh, 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 grains and so on and so forth. But what happens is that just by definition, that turns into highly processed grains, flowers and so on that people think are healthy for them. So yeah. bagel looks to them like it's a good choice. Plus we have all those people who are uh, weed and gluten intolerance. Exactly. And uh, yeah. the, the celiacs, and, or even at a slightly lesser, uh, in a lesser case, at least allergic to maybe just the gluten by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, it's, a, it's a big problem. I mean, it, wheat puts on the weight uh, for a lot of people, and uh, it, it can cause diarrhea, constipation, headaches, uh, skin rashes, uh, uh, vision problems. Um, it, it really, uh, you know, stress, depression, it's really, uh, it's really yeah, rampant. And, and it is so well promoted. And if I, when I talk to people and mention this, they say, well, I eat whole wheat bread, not the white bread. And they, mm-hmm. don't, they don't see that really in, in, in overall, it doesn't make any difference. It's the same. It still comes from the same wheat. Well, and I don't know if you'll recall that Dr. Strand did say that uh, a wheat bread isn't much lower on the glycemic index than a white bread. Yes. Surprisingly so. Yeah. And often they're sweetened more heavily than a white bread is Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. try to make it more palatable. And I think for a lot of people, it's not that you you cannot eat it. It just means that it shouldn't be three, three meals a day. Right. And then snacks in between. It's just well, that's too a much. very good point. I mean, even the the best of the breads, like sprouted breads and um, uh, barley kernel bread and things like this, uh, which are have a, a glycemic load which is very acceptable. Yeah. It's not recommended that you do that uh, every uh, meal uh, by any means. Yeah. And uh, probably even just limit it to a slice a day or so if you're going to use it. Absolutely, and just work on those uh, whole grains and work on the vegetables and the fruits and, and some meat and fish, and we'll be much better. Um, Caller, good morning to you. You're on the phone. We're here with Dr. Terry Allsteel. What is your name and your question, please? My name is Sarah, and um, here's my question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talking about the food pyramid, I've always wanted to eat vegetarian, but I feel like I'm getting the message that if you don't eat meat, you know, you're not going to be healthy. And I was wondering, is that true? I mean, can you be a vegetarian and be healthy? You know, I, you know, I feel brainwashed. I don't know what the truth is. It's confusing, yeah. Well, the short answer is yes, you can uh, be a vegetarian and be very healthy in your eating. You need to make sure that, uh, you know, you have a lot of soy products and so on uh, in there to get the protein uh, and uh, various beans and so on that have the protein level that you can miss if you're just doing uh, vegetables and uh, uh, fruits. Um, interestingly, uh, the, the food pyramid that you talk about there uh, has another underlying thing kind of related to the last question, and that is, is that how come the milk side of this is so wide? Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. come the grain side of this is so wide 
And how come the U.S. Department of Agriculture is the one putting it out? <laughs> I see. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. Sarah, Sarah, are you a vegetarian right now? Well, I try to be, but then I, I feel afraid that I'm hurting myself. But, I mean, do you want to be a vegetarian or a vegan? <coughs> oh, well, I, I guess I haven't totally decided because I don't know what's best for me, but mainly I would like to not eat meat. Right, and, and uh, so fish is not a problem for you? No. Then then what I would suggest, if you do fish, do, would you do eggs? Uh, yes, but in moderation. Right, and but that's a very good source. And the, the fish, I would definitely look at the darker colored fish. Don't go for the shrimp and the scallops and the sole. Really look more for the trout, the tuna, the cod, the snapper, the salmon, uh, the freshwater salmon. And, um, you know, those are much better sources because they also contain good fats. And we're talking mm-hmm. here about the healthy fats that, uh, that you need to eat. So that is number one. The other thing, Sarah is also look in, uh, you know, in, in the industry today, there are lo- definitely quite a few companies coming out with protein powders. And, um, um, you know, there is a whey protein out, there is rice protein out, there is egg white protein, there is goat protein, there is soy protein. There are all these proteins. What I would suggest, though, is when you buy it, Try to buy it as plain as possible. Uh, either go uh, 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 tasteless, natural, natural flavor, or go to something that does not have sucralose or Splenda in it. Maybe something that just has some little stevia in it, if you can do that. But look at the label. There is a, there is a lot of these food replacement meals out there that are high in protein, but they have artificial flavors and artificial coloring in it. And they have other products in it that you really don't need. And if you make your own shake and you take some fruit and water, so frozen fruit and water, and you, uh, or an apple and a banana or fresh strawberries when you come in the summertime, and then add some fish oil or flaxseed oil, add your protein powder, maybe even look at a green food powder, you know, like uh, something that has some wheatgrass and alfalfa and spirulina in it that gives you a nice balance of proteins, carbos, and fats in one sitting, and you can mix the fruits up every day to kind of keep the taste attractive. And uh, you can make enough so that if you feel you can take it with you to work, uh, you put it in the fridge, keep it wherever. And so when you feel there is this urge coming up to eat something, instead of grabbing a donut or a cookie, just have another half a cup of your your shake. And then the next day you make a different flavor and uh, and mix it up a little bit like that. You, can you uh, see that, Dr. Allsteel? Can you agree with that? Oh, I think that's excellent uh, advice. You bet. Okay. okay. So have you tried that, Sarah? Have you thought about it? Have you looked into something um, like that? I've had friends that have made these protein drinks, and I didn't know if that was really... It, was it if it was necessary or you know I guess I don't know a lot. No, we do we do need protein. Protein is very important for our cells. Uh, proteins are able to move in and out of the cell through the cell wall. They're able to uh, they're very essential to us because they actually pick out nutrition out of the bloodstream and take it back into the cell. So they help us really with with get, getting energy and getting strength uh, on a daily basis. But um, what I suggest, Sarah, is uh, if you know how much you weigh. Take your weight and then divide it by three and divide it by two. So let's say you're, uh, you'll say you're 130 pounds and then you divide it by three. That is about 40, 45. And if you divide it by half, it's about 60, 65. So anywhere between 45 and 60 grams 
of protein per day. Now, a lot of these protein shakes have about, um, you know, I would say 20 grams in a scoop. So if you take a couple scoops of that or you do it several times a day and you have some fish, you eat some beans, then I think that uh, it's very easy for you to reach that level of protein. And once you have the protein, you find out and the fat that actually your craving for sugars goes out of the window. And that's the big thing. I think that a lot of people look at this and say, oh, my gosh. I'm going to eat so much. No, you're going to find out when you eat the right food and your cell is actually getting saturated and, and is satisfied, you will not have cravings for the sugars. That is good to know because I've really felt afraid and criticized of being vegetarian, you know, that I'm doing the wrong thing. No, vegetarian, uh, people just leaving meat and protein out what happens is, as they start going for the cheese and the milk and the pasta, and they think, well, we're vegetarians, we're not eating anything, and they're putting on more weight than they've ever had in their life. And it, uh, the key is that you increase your protein and do it in a way that you can, the proteins that you can actually digest and handle, and, and, and increase the fat. And I just wanted to make one note, you're talking about feeling satisfied. Yes. I've noticed eating organic food, I feel more satisfied mm -hmm. than eating regular. Is that that strange <laughs> or do you think that means it's more uh nutritional? nutritious yes i would say so dr allsteel you agree with that the uh usually the the satisfaction with food has to do with a blood sugar that is coming up very slowly and going down very slowly and not spiking and uh, that's where most of the satisfaction comes our brain uh, doesn't sense uh, so much uh uh, protein or fat levels, but it senses very uh, uh, acutely um, sugar levels or mm -hmm. glucose levels in the blood. Mm -hmm. And so when you're, as Donna says, eating closer to the ground, uh, eating natural uh, products and so on and so forth, you don't get sugar spikes in your blood, but it comes up very slowly. And so you feel satiated uh, because of that very uh, phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Wow, well, thank you so much for answering my question. Well, I, good luck. I feel much more at ease because it's been very difficult for me. Yeah, and there is, no, you should not have to worry about it. It is just that a lot of people say, I'm not going to eat meat anymore, and then they think they're all of a sudden vegetarians. It, you just have to shift your whole thinking and say, okay, well, if I don't eat the meat, what can I do to replace it? And, and eating beans is fine, but not everybody does well on a lot of beans. Mm -hmm. It can give you gas. It can give you gastrointestinal problems. It's just uncomfortable. And just to go for a clean protein, protein powder, have some beans, do some fish, have some eggs, I think you're going to be just fine. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate All your right, program. Well, well, good luck. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. I do have another caller. Caller, good morning to you. Your name and how can we help you? Uh, good morning. This is Gene Gilbert again. Yes, Gene. And I just wanted to see if he would address the uh, the need for a good uh, supplement of micronutrients with high antioxidant protection. Having been in agriculture in my career for 40 years, I know that the food's we get today from from the the corn and the and the spinach and all that aren't the nutrients we had in the forties. Yeah, and and it's a whole different kind of process, and you really have to have supplementation. Be you a, a vegetarian or eat the processed foods we have today without a, a proper supplement. Excellent. You just don't get the right micronutrition you need. And we've been talking about the macronutrients now and how the food pyramid doesn't work, and I agree totally with it. It's just the micronutrients, I think, haven't been mentioned at this point, and I'd like to have have them address that a little bit. Sure. Well, thank you, Gene. Yeah. All right. We'll do that. Uh, Dr. Allsteel. 
Yeah, that's an excellent question. Uh, it seems that that across the board, uh, for a number of issues, the gentleman brought up the uh, the fact that the level of micronutrients in a lot of our um, depleted soil isn't as high as it used to be. Uh, but there's also the issue of added uh, oxidative stress that uh, uh, comes from the increase of stress in our lives, the uh, contamination of things, the uh, additives um, uh, in our food, and so on and so forth, that uh, I think make uh, cellular nutrition and some sort of uh, nutritional supplementation uh, absolutely paramount. And the key here, uh, I'm sure Dr. Strand mentioned this, but you've got to have something that is uh, a pharmaceutical grade and something that actually dissolves the way it's supposed to dissolve so it, it not only uh, uh, dissolves but gets to the cells and does what it's supposed to do. That means it meets USP standards. And there are a, a relatively small handful of, uh, of companies that do that. And what I recommend people who are uh, taking supplementations uh, uh, is to... Get a hold of that company, actually uh, try to call into them or write into them and uh, get information about their USP and pharmaceutical grade standards. If you cannot get that information from them, in all likelihood the company does not meet those standards because if they do, they're very proud to let you know that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is, uh, that's good advice. And, and uh, Dr. Allsteel, what were some of the supplements that uh, Dr. Ray Strand suggested to you to try on a daily basis? Uh, well, those very same things. Uh, number one, uh, a real high-grade vitamin and multivitamin uh, mineral uh, complex, uh, and there are several out there, yeah. uh, but something that's going to, uh, to get good levels. And a lot of times you'll see that, and I'm sure Dr. Ray Strand uh, mentioned, you're going to see that the levels of these nutrients are at a, uh, along the RDA standards, the mm-hmm. uh, recommended daily allowance, which is very minimal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want optimal levels of these uh, nutrients. And so something that gives you uh, that and a pharmaceutical grade. And then a good antioxidant complex, uh, uh, especially uh, ones that include grapeseed extract. Yeah. Uh, addition of omega-3 oils, and yeah. so on. Yes. Uh-huh. Very good. I, as, as we're speaking, I'm wondering what, uh, well, let's see, how you may have implemented or how your paradigm may have shifted, Dr. Al Steele, as, as a traditional physician, how, how your paradigm shifted with um, complementary medicine, as, as Dr. Strand would, would refer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what does, was that quite a major shift for you? Was there some resistance there? Um, what, what does the medical community do with these kinds of ideas? Well, initially, there's a great resistance, and I think we are seeing uh, a very slow trend towards an understanding that uh, uh, a lot of these studies have, uh, you know, a lot of strength to them, that they're done well, and they show real improvement. There was a recent study in, uh, I think, I can't remember what journal it was in, but it showed that uh, just the addition of omega-3 fats... Uh, decreases the chance of a uh, myocardial infarction or heart attack uh, even more than the uh, uh, the cholesterol drugs that are out there. Mm-hmm. So now, isn't that something? A good nutritional supplementation yeah. actually doing better than a pill. Wonder why we don't hear that from the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
but uh, this is this is a, gr- a great question, and it's a it was a slow shift for me because in, uh, I've seen a lot of this uh, uh, done poorly, mm. and it scares you, especially in the uh, area of herbals. Uh, you have to be very careful because a lot of herbals actually have medicinals sure. uh, yes. effects, and you can have some major uh, side effects uh, and difficulties with that. And I've seen those. Now, but, Dr. Alsteel, let me yes. ask you a quick question because we're running here at the end of the hour. Yeah, Would you sure. like to hang on a little bit more for the second hour, for the next hour, or do you have to go? Uh, I could uh, hang on uh, probably for a little bit, then I'll need to head for the hospital. Well, that'd be fantastic. Then let's do that because we like to hear your answer on this, but we're going to have to take a short break here for the news, and then we'll be right back with you, okay? Okay. Thank you. We'll be right back. Caller, good morning. Your name, and how can we help you? My name is Peter, and I wanted to share a little bit upon being a vegetarian. I was raised vegetarian. Thanks, Peter. And uh, a few things that I've noticed... uh, Soy proteins, be very uh, beware of the junk food that's contained in them, all the preservatives, and there's a lot of soy meat out there that's pretty bad for you. Yeah. Um, vegetables with proteins, I, I think broccoli has a lot of protein in it, and uh, there's a lot of other vegetables that have high protein. Beans, um, I heard you said they can cause gas for people, and I was wondering if that was a sign of maybe intestinal problems as far as maybe blockage or junk in your intestines maybe you need to be cleaned out if you have gas or do some people just not do well with beans you're asking me or dr Allsteel? uh both of you okay anybody who has knowledge i think the 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 nature of the of the bean group is kind of a gas former uh-huh. I don't think it necessarily indicates that there's anything wrong with the GI system. Okay, because I've noticed that once I'm on beans for a while, the gas goes away. I think yeah, that, it goes that, away. Yeah, I don't. I, I eat beans all the time. I love Mexican food, and uh, I do not have gas. Okay, hmm. maybe you just don't notice it as much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do have gas, but not you know, not smelly or loud or mm-hmm. you know it's it's normal gas. Everybody has gas. Right, and I think, by the way, the, uh, the the smelly part always also has to do what other foods you're eating. And I think the, uh, especially when you eat a lot of meat, or if people would eat pork, uh, that would be a lot harder on the intestines and and on the smell. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And, but as far as um, as far as the other things are concerned, Peter, uh, you know, obviously you grew up that way, so your system is very well adapted to the beans. Uh, but you might find that certain beans, maybe lentils, uh, might not work so well for you, or uh, maybe it's the pinto beans. And so you right. probably you probably find out there which beans work beans. for you. Excuse me. There are a lot of beans out there to try. <laughs> uh, exactly. That there's is, uh, there's yeah. also grains that are high in protein too, and nuts. Um, amaranth, kamut, spelt, those are all very high in protein. And yes. as a vegetarian, I've also noticed uh, oils, fats, those, those are very good, something that people maybe don't do enough of as a vegetarian. And another thing that I'd recommend is maybe supplementing with cod liver oil or goat yogurt. Um, I didn't know she was vegan or not, but... She said she was not. She was she just was not, trying okay. to be a vegetarian. But then cod liver oil might be something that she has not looked into, and that would be a very good source of... Uh, the omega-3s. And yeah. uh, one other question I had before I get off was uh, food combining. Um, I've heard people say good and bad things about it, uh, like combining maybe a brown rice and a lentil to get a complete protein. Um, any comments on that? Uh, thank you for your time. Well, thanks for the call, Peter. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. All right. 
I'm not sure I've got uh, a good answer for that. I think the uh, combination of foods is always a good idea because you're going to have uh, uh, different amino acids from different uh, protein groups. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a wise wise decision. Well, and I think also the variety is a uh, is a variety huge issue. Uh, you know, I and and then the other thing that I can recommend uh, either to Peter or anybody who's listening and if you want to be a vegetarian, especially if you're going through the transition, uh, look for a digestive enzyme. Um, you know, it could be very good. And it's, it, it, if you are a little bit older and you had to have your gallbladder removed uh, for whatever reason, because of your diet and lifestyle or because it was just not functioning right, then look into uh, getting a digestive enzyme that has ox bile in it because that can help you with giving you those extra juices necessary to break down some of these proteins and fats as they come into the small intestine. Yeah, so, but digestive enzymes can make a big difference, and I know there are quite a few people out there that have heartburn, that have, um, that have uh, acid reflux, GERD, uh, bloating in the stomach, and, and folks, I tell you, it does, it, chances are, 80% of, the cha- 80% of the time, people actually have too little stomach acid. It's not that they have too much what they think. They're going on the purple pill. They're going on the on all these pepsidases and all these, uh, all these antacids, stums, etc. Uh, try a tablespoon of either apple cider vinegar or a tablespoon of lemon juice, fresh lemon juice squeezed straight from the lemon, and wait three minutes when you have this problem. Wait three minutes. Do not drink water with it. Wait what your stomach is going to tell you. If you do feel better after three minutes, that means that you need some acid. Your body wanted the acid. It feels better with it. So you might look into something that is called hydrochloric acid or HCL. Uh, you look into digestive enzymes. If you feel worse after three minutes, then that means you probably have too much acid in your system, and then you really have to look into changing some of the things in your diet. You might be allergic to it, uh, you know. And and mm-hmm. if you can go to somebody, a professional who you care about, who can help you with that, just to replace one thing with the other that is still that you still like. If you don't, if you don't do well in bananas, look into apricots, for example. They're still very good, very rich in potassium, and they can really help you. So those are some of the things. And I don't know, Dr. Allsteel, if that is something you work with with your patients? Yes, it is. Uh, it's interesting that this is another area where um, medical science is starting to catch up with common sense. Mm. Um, the use of the purple pill and the like, uh, we are finding, uh, again, treats a symptom but does not deal with a disease. Right. And uh, the, the destruction of the uh, lining of the lower esophagus that comes from reflux problems uh, has been thought to be primarily due to acid. So if we could just put the acid to sleep, we can make that uh, better. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is we're starting to find out in studies now that uh, any kind of reflux, whether it's bile or acidy or not, can actually cause uh, difficulties with the lining of the lower esophagus. Oh, yes. And uh, so uh, from the surgical perspective, we need to be very cautious about uh, just thinking patients are better because their symptoms have changed. Uh, because uh, those who have had actual cellular changes in the lower esophagus can develop cancer even if the acid is put to sleep. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we're finding out that uh, there's a great relationship to inflammation, yeah. and thus we have a great relationship to uh, oxidative stress mm-hmm. and free radicals. And uh, people who are being treated with uh, good dosages of antioxidants are also uh, helping heal that lower esophagus. Huh. 
Wow. Interesting. Carla, good morning to you. You're on the air with Dr. Allsteel. Your name and your, your, your question, please. Good morning. My name is Mary. And Hi, Mary. Uh, Doctor, uh, are you finding that your patients are are more willing to make changes in their diets and lifestyle because of your example? And also, what are you finding that is the greatest stumbling block for them? Uh, is it uh, that they don't have time to uh, to create a better diet, or or is it um, laziness, or is it accessibility of, of um, food that's not as uh, healthy for them? Hmm. And I'll listen on the ear. Thank that's you. Great. Uh, Thank you. That's great. Thank you. Great call, Mary. Excellent question. Uh, uh, deal with the stumbling blocks issue, uh, first of all, and they are many. Um, I think the biggest stumbling block that I see with all Americans and all disease processes, and especially in weight issues, is uh, the idea of instant gratification. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want something that's going to work fast. They want to, they've heard everything on the radio and television that lose 10 pounds in 10 days and so on and so forth. They want to get quick results. Yeah. Well, it's only taken them 50 years to get where they're at. Yes. You know, to expect that to go away in, in 50 days is a little ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, so that's one stumbling block. Second is... Uh, uh, the fact that most people, even who uh, go after uh, Dr. Strand's approach here of a low glycemic uh, approach to especially carbohydrates, do not adequately cleanse their homes mm-hmm. of the availability of those foods. So they may have children or a spouse who is still uh, eating an unhealthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I've found that the families that go at this as a whole family approach to a new lifestyle uh, do much better. Mm-hmm. So that's another stumbling block. Uh, the question about uh, my relationship with it, indeed, uh, people who have known me for a lot of years can't believe uh, how much weight I've lost and, and so on and so forth, and, and it opens up conversations about this. But uh, I think it's very wise that we live uh, lifestyles we try to preach to our patients. Yeah. I mean, the uh, it's true. uh hundreds of years ago and and look how long it has taken us to develop as as human beings as homo sapiens and the last 30 40 40 years with the tremendous influx of uh, grocery stores and specialty stores and making it more convenient for people to drive up all the way to the store and then uh, just go in and buy the food uh, the body has had to adapt real quickly and it is still adapting and that's why I think one reason why we have so many problems to all these tremendous ingredient changes uh, to uh, to the toxins that we're exposed to in the environment as you mentioned earlier um, um, it must be very frustrating I think when you are, as a physician you go through this through your own personal changes to convey these changes to to uh, to, to one of your clients patients and and uh, and, and see indeed how they're struggling because of these addictions and because of these exposures to all these toxins. That's a very good point, and it brings up another issue, and, and that is cost, because when you get to pharmaceutical-grade uh, supplementation and yeah. so on, you need to spend money to get good supplementation. There's so much junk out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope this isn't too tasteless, because sometimes surgeons are that way, but <laughs> one of the studies I do is colonoscopy. Yeah. To look into the colon. Yeah. And I remember some time back a gentleman who was on a daily multivitamin, and uh, I could uh, see the pill in his colon and still read the logo on it. Oh, my goodness. So I don't think he was getting a lot of value out of that. No. I'm sure it was inexpensive. I see. 
Uh, but well, I guess the company. I guess the company's getting benefits. Yeah, somebody's getting benefits. <laughs> uh, and it's but it's the same way with foods. I mean, you have to uh, realize that a lot of this processed stuff is cheap, and you can get it very inexpensively. And it takes a little bit of. Uh, I mean, you might have to give something else up to feed your family in a very healthy way. You know, really getting fresh, organic food and so on. Now, do you at all talk, uh, Doctor Allsteel? Uh, with people about detoxing the body, uh, uh, certain processes that they can do to detox the body, or do you say primarily uh, what, change your diet and lifestyle and take some supplementation and go that route? Yeah, um, uh, I, I, I do touch on that, and I think Dr. Strand touches that on, on in his book as well. And I think it is a, a, is a very healthy and good thing to do. I must admit that uh, in the limited time I have with my patients, usually I'm trying to just get them to understand, uh, especially about spiking blood sugar and supplementation. Uh, but it's a very good concept and one that I support. Mm. Yeah, and it was interesting. I was talking uh, a couple of days ago to uh, to a customer in a store, and he is uh, working with this uh, booklet that is called uh, The Master Cleanser by Stanley Burroughs and um, it is a very interesting book and uh, you pretty much drink during the day about a gallon of water that has uh, maple syrup cayenne pepper and lemon juice in it and you drink that and it's been around for quite a long time because it gives you all the nutrients that you need it gives you the warmth it gives you the the acid and it also gives you the sweetness of the maple syrup the maple syrup and the liquid and he said it is just amazing. And one thing that he does as far as cleansing is concerned, what, it, what they talk about in the booklet, is you wake up early in the morning and you take um, uh, two teaspoons of uh, good salt, not regular, uh, not iodized salt, but uh, uh, you take like a, like, a, like a real salt or a sea salt, something like that, two teaspoons, put it in water, and, um, and then drink that. And drink, he said it is actually slightly more, uh, more salty than, uh, than uh, soft water. And he said, and then you go back to bed and he wakes up like an hour, an hour and a half later and he has to go to the bathroom and obviously it gives him a loose stool, but it seems to really clean out. It doesn't get absorbed in the body, in the cells, so it cleans out the body. And he said it works a lot better, according to this booklet, than taking enemas or colonics in order to cleanse the system. And he said he was doing it now for five days and he said, I cannot believe how much energy I have. I don't crave any food and you got to do it for about 10 plus days. So... There are different methods out there, but uh, you know, it, none of these cleanses will work if you cannot change, if you're not willing to change mm-hmm. your diet and lifestyle and exercise program when you come out of that uh, that cleanse. And I think that is where we have a problem with so many people going on diets. Mm-hmm. They think the diet only lasts for so many months, and then they lose the weight, and they don't realize, well, what did I just do to myself? I ate this kind of food, lose the weight, feel better, and then they go back to the old methods. Mm-hmm. I think it really comes down to freedom, don't you? Until we, I mean, we can try to keep ourselves motivated, but until we really get the inspiration behind it, um, we're we're just missing missing the boat again. And uh, so I'm interested, Dr. Alsteel, in what type of freedom has been brought to you um, since your change in lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, my experience was that uh, as I started this process, uh, it, it, uh, my focus initially was on what I had to give up. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. You know, Wouldn't it and be? that's always a negative side of it. Mm-hmm. But when you realized how excellent you begin to feel, how, uh, the, uh, the, 
weight just uh, comes off without hardly any effort at all, mm-hmm. uh, and so on, uh, you start realizing that I feel better. This make this is a good, wonderful thing, yeah. and the things that you are missing out on, quote unquote, really you're not missing out on because. Uh, uh, on those times when you uh, uh, go back to just grabbing something real high glycemic and and eat it within the hour, I feel lousy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Within the hour. Wow. So uh, this is an important process to for people to change their mindset. It's kind of a renewing of the mind thing. Right. Is to recognize that what we're doing here is not punishment. Mm-hmm. It's freedom. Mm-hmm. Sure is. You know, and it is really also very costly to the nation when you look at what obesity and disease has cost as far as lost labor, uh, you know, uh, uh, insurance coverage, uh, all that is concerned. It has really turned down the quality of life in this nation altogether. Absolutely. And I would add that, especially with our children, we can't just go by default. If we continue just living by default, uh, it, it will kill us and it it is crippling our children we have to make an intentional effort uh to to make some changes for ourselves and for our kids yeah and and like dr alsteel said if you just can uh consider what it is that you can add in um i i do think that healthy choices instead of what you have to leave right, out right instead yeah. of what you have to leave out that the healthy choices beget more healthy choices and mm-hmm. uh this was really noticeable for me when i needed to go on to a hypoglycemic diet I, it was taking so. It took my energy and attention to get all the good stuff in that I needed to. Yeah. That I was really quite content, and uh, and the effects were immediate because mm-hmm. uh, when I have such a negative uh, um, reaction to the sugar that I would literally feel like I was skidding sideways. Yes. Um, <laughs> could yes. not focus. Couldn't see straight. Couldn't remember. And to have that go away is like getting my life back. Literally. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Jacobus, I've just been paged and I yeah. uh, need to go stamp out disease and pestilence once again. <laughs> <laughs> well, so thank I'll you need so to leave much. You at this time. Well, I, I really appreciate you were with us. Uh, I wish you all the best in your practice. And, and it's so nice to hear your voice and that you have had so much success with this book. And, and we wish you all the best in all your work. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, Dr. Allsteel. Bye bye, Donna. Bye bye. Bye. All right. Uh, okay. So Dr. Allsteel had to go. He had to go to surgery, but uh, we do have a caller on hold. Caller, hopefully we can answer your question. Your name and how can we help you? Yeah. Hi, Jacobus. Uh, this is Alan. Looks like I'm a, hey, Alan. a dollar short, but um, I was, I've was i been reading more about uh, fermented foods, Yeah. such as sauerkraut, yogurt, um, um, and it doesn't seem to be, people don't seem to be talking about it that much, but how beneficial it is. And another thing I read is uh, a couple nights ago was about soy products. And they said if, if the soy isn't fermented, to basically stay away from it. Yeah, I and, agree with that. And what your thoughts are on that? I, uh, Alan, I, that is a, is a pretty good que- is a very good question. But we're, we're hitting a break point over here. If you don't mind, you want to hang on, or you want to you want to talk you want us to talk about it and yeah, over I'll, here. Yeah, just go ahead. Uh, you can go ahead and talk about it. Actually, and then you want to hang up. I'm supposed to be fixing my wife breakfast. Okay, well, you can listen to it while you do that. Sounds good. Okay, thank you for the call. Bye-bye. So we'll be right back. We have a couple callers on hold, but callers will get to you. Let me first finish up with uh, Alan, who called us right before we went to the news. 
Alan asked about the fermented foods. Now, there is indeed a lot of information out, more and more information about, about the importance of fermented food, primarily because f when you start fermentation process, you really already start a digestive process of that food. And looking at the metabolism and the way that we are working, like Dr. Strand is talking about the insulin problem, the insulin resistance, to give the body a food that is already in the process of being digested, thereby making it easier on the digestive system to uh, be absorbed, to be broken down and actually be productive to that uh, is very good. So the sauerkrauts are good, if you, but you got to be careful with the salt. Have a natural... Um, have a natural fermented product that is good. And you don't want to eat too much of it. You know, it can be done in either a supplement form. There are green foods out today from Garden of Life and Sagent in Bozeman that have a green food powder with spirulina, fermented ginger, uh, wheatgrass, alfalfa, uh, barley grass, all those kind of green foods that are 40 to 50% pre-digested, pre-fermented. So those are great products for you to try if you want to, if you want to try this and see how it works on your system so that the fermentation is, is a good idea and fermented foods to make it part of your diet not your whole diet is good a little bit of yogurt um, uh, good yogurt not denon or yo play that is just a bunch of sugar but look for a wholesome whole yogurt uh, even with the fat on it it's uh, actually very good fat for you so that is number one the other question uh, alan had was the comment of the comment about uh, soy uh, yes uh, fermented soy is actually the way that the Eastern cultures are consuming the soy, the tempeh, the miso, the fermented soy sauce, like the, like the soyu or the, the tamari, primarily tamari, which is wheat-free. Um, those are the products that you might want to incorporate in your, in your diet. Um, soy by itself has a very hard time digesting, according to uh, some reports that are out there. And you can go to the website, and if you go to soy symposium 1999 if you click on your google search and go to soy symposium 1999 you'll find a lot of information about the dangers of soy and that it was really never meant for human consumption but that it was there to actually help nitrates in the soil and to put on in the soil for a, a better crop the next year so uh, soy is very overrated and uh, should not be used as much as it is the uh, the, the 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 comments by the FDA and the people in the soy industry are saying that uh, we really have to eat more soy because of the Eastern cultures who eat it so much. But the problem is that, uh, number one, the amount of soy that the Eastern cultures like Japan and China eat, are consuming is actually about a third of what the FDA recommends us to take on a daily basis. And there is much more a fermented soy. So tofu is just a side dish. It's not fermented because it's just cooked soybeans. And, and then put in a package for you. Uh, so the tempeh, the miso, the soy sauce are the better ways to go if you desire soy. Uh, to go into soy milk, soy cheese, soy ice cream, soy nuts, soy chips, soy protein, soy, you know, it's just too much soy, way too much soy the way we're consuming it. And for some women, they think that soy is good because it helps them with hormonal problems. And that is not for everybody true. Moderation, again, is the key. So um, as far as that is concerned, that's what I would do. But uh, uh, I hope, Alan, that answers your question about soy. I, I highly recommend that people do more research on it. I find doctors jumping on the whole soy thing. They're really already behind the curve because it's it's already 
tested that it is really not that healthy for you and there are other options to get the benefits uh, you can get uh, estrogen help with uh, with uh, red clover for example you can get it with black cohosh uh, with fish oils uh, there are other ways to do it do not jump on soy and go nuts on the soy so uh, having said that caller number one uh, good morning to you thanks for joining us and you're here with donna and myself uh, good morning my name is paul hi paul um Give me a little help here in uh, interpreting um, nutritional uh, facts uh, on snack food packages. Uh, I understand that not all carbohydrates are to be avoided. Some are low glycemic, some are high glycemic. Now, I'm looking at a nutritional label for a um, snack food, and it has 22 grams of total carbohydrates, but the sugars are uh, said to be less than one gram. Now, how do I interpret that information? Is this a low or a high uh, glycemic um, product? Well, I probably would have to take a look at the product to begin with. Is it a high? How, what is the? What is the? Uh, when you have the calories, what are the protein content in there? In uh, first of all, when you eat that specific snack food, does it happen to be a bar? No, it's not. It's it's uh, single uh, items you can single items control. you can buy. Yeah. Okay, um, is there any protein in it? Yes, there are three grams of protein. Okay, so the protein is very low, also. Mm-hmm. And um, then when the calories are that high, yeah, that's actually a good one. I um... so we have total carb carbohydrate of twenty two grams. Twenty two grams, seven percent, according you know uh, apparently of of what uh, daily nutritional requirement or something. Uh, and then uh, only one gram or less than a gram of sugar. Mm-hmm. So it is happens to be a. Um, a snack food that I like. So, am I? Um, should I drop this, or can I continue to uh, indulge in it occasionally? Well, the sugar. First of all, I want to jump in on the sugar because uh, I see quite a bit of people come in and look at the products that there's all the sugar in here, and I say, well, but it is flavored with a natural vanilla flavor, or it has apples or raisins in it, and um, you know those have natural sugars in it, and they have to uh, they have to identify those. So. Since those are complex sugars or the more natural sugars that already exist in the product and are not added sugars, then I think that should not be a problem. And then the carbohydrates, you know, if you eat vegetables, they have a lot of carbohydrates in it. But obviously, if they're complex carbohydrates, uh, depending on the source that you're eating, then you shouldn't have to worry about it. The problem comes in when you're talking about a refined product. Uh, that is rich in carbohydrates. Those are the carbohydrates Dr. Strand is talking about have a hard time going through the digestive process and actually can turn into fat. So they might give you quick energy, but then they turn into fat. So I would need to see more what the ingredients are to understand what kind of carbohydrates there are and where the sugars come from. But Donna has to say something. Well, and I would just ask how highly processed do you think your snack is? Well, that's just what I was going to, to follow up. I was going to ask what does this word refined mean and what does this word process mean uh on a you know how do how how will i know that <laughs> what do i look for well the uh yeah what do you look for um well if it's really if it looks white <laughs> that's not a good sign if it's got some some refined flowers in it. it right i i would say that if it doesn't have any texture well it's it, it, look this this is a uh, this just happens to be a sort of um 
what do they call it, checkers bar. Look, it, it says enriched flour, wheat flour, niacin, reduced iron, thiamine, yes. uh, monotrate. Uh, what does that mean to me? When it is an enriched flour, um, personally, I would, one of the things that we're looking into is the flowers in general. Once you start processing flowers, and you, obviously it is enriched, so that means what happened over here first, it was, uh, it was cleaned up and bleached, and then it was enriched again with nutrition mm-hmm. to, in order to make that, uh, to make it more wholesome. But you really are missing the boat on this, not you, but people in general, mm-hmm. because you already took all the r- good nutrients out of this product and then tried to compensate it with some nutrients that, uh, that you hope are going to be the best for you. The best way is to, if you want to eat flour, than to, to try to go to the whole grain. Now, number one, I don't think you have to worry about eating this product uh, if you like it. If you say, well, I have one, maybe two of those a day, that is one thing. If you say, well, but the rest of my meals are uh, more wholesome, I don't uh, don't consume a lot of pasta, I don't do donuts, I don't do cookies too much, I am, uh, you know, my breakfast is uh, maybe some eggs, or you might have a good juice, um, you might make a shake in the morning, uh, you might uh, have a maybe some kind of a cereal that does not have all this wheat in it, that maybe is made from rice and you use it uh, you use a wholesome milk or a uh, almond milk or a rice milk then all of a sudden you realize that the amount of enriched flour that you take in on a daily basis is very minimal and then i personally would not worry about it having that on a regular basis okay one other follow-up question does here. that help you yes uh, well in a way it does yes um i can i know now what uh, a little bit more about what enriched uh, flour might suggest. Yes. Uh, can potatoes uh, be, uh, you can wash the starch off potatoes if you cut them up and, and you know, uh, put them under water and drain them. Uh, does that l- make them less uh, of a glycemic uh, food? Um, well, the potatoes, number one, you, so you're talking about you, you peel the potatoes, then potato. you wash them off, mm-hmm. and then you boil them. Uh, well, you, well, you cook them, yes. Uh, you know, you can see the starch yes. after you've washed them. Absolutely. It was like uh, kind of slimy. Now, uh, does that change a recommendation uh, then about eating potatoes if they've undergone that sort of cleansing process? It, it will help the potato. Um, uh, well, you know, that's kind of weird because I would rather eat a whole potato with the peel that has more nutrients in the peel than that I would uh, take a, a washed down product. Uh, but, you know, the potato, again, the potato is a, is a food that comes out of the ground. It is a nightshade, so not everybody does good on it. Uh, I would look more for a yam or a sweet potato. That's I think I they, they, they sit a lot better in our digestive system. To have a potato maybe twice a week is something that you can do. It is it is a food that grows naturally, and um, um, I don't see too much of a problem. But as far as washing it and cleaning it and washing the starches off, Again, this, uh, Paul, this is, this is not something that is a big problem if you eat potatoes in moderation. It is not a great carbohydrate. Dr. Strand calls it a moderate carbohydrate. Okay. It's not the best for your body. But it is one of those things that is so ingrained into the American diet that to eat it now and then is fine. But mm-hmm. I would suggest look more for a, for the yam or the sweet potato if you really like the potato or keep the potatoes low. And then on top of that, if you were to deep fry it, obviously you're not helping yourself. But if you talk about cooking or sauteing it, making pan fried potatoes, make it part of your diet. The most important thing is that you enjoy food. 
The only thing is that you got to look at if you eat too much of certain foods that are the moderate or the lower quality carbohydrates, you do not do yourself a big favor. To, to, to completely say you cannot eat potatoes is, is not a good idea. I think it is, uh, it is part of people's diets and it is one of the things if you start focusing on all the things you cannot eat, mm-hmm. there's nothing left. Leave it as part of your diet, but instead of doing it every day, five, six, seven days a week, have it maybe twice a week. Mm-hmm. And, Thank you. Does that help? It does. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Donna, you wanted to say something about Well, I was going to say that Dr. Strand would also recommend uh, baby red potato. Baby um, red potatoes mm-hmm, and, and the new potatoes. Uh, the new potatoes. Yes. Um, but like you said, the, the yams and sweet potatoes are much lower on the glycemic index yeah. than a white potato. Mm-hmm. So I, I see his question. Um, you know, he wants yeah, to know yeah. what, what does it do to the structure of the potato. It's very interesting. And it is, you know, it... it it is okay to do it, but again, if you leave it as a moderate food, as a, as a food that is not that much, then you're not exactly. hurting yourself. Exactly. You know? I think that variety really is the answer. Yes. All right. We do have another caller on hold. Caller, good morning to you. Thanks for holding on here. Your name and how can we help you? Good morning. Maxim calling. Maxim, good morning. I um, have a real resentment whenever I go into a grocery store because everything's uh, geared to fat people. Well, maybe <laughs> try, try, try home delivery, Maxim. Well, you know, I, I, I love yogurt. And all, I can't find any yogurt that doesn't say low fat or no fat or zero fat. Or, and, and the same thing's happening, happening with milk. You got your 1%, you got your 2%, you got your fat free. And I'd like to put on a couple extra pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I eat when I want to, and my body generally does a wonderful job of taking care of all the horrible things I do to it. Um, but I'd like to gain a few extra pounds, and, and I just can't seem to do that. Yeah. Um, through, through my normal diet, I generally eat fairly healthy, and I like things like vegetables and fruits. Uh, but when I go to get yogurt or something like this, or milk, or cheese, it's, it's all this low-fat stuff, and I'd like to gain a few pounds. What do you recommend for that? Well, you know, that is always a question that I have a hard time with because it is a, um, uh, number one, uh, if your lifestyle and stress level are normal, uh, within normal range, and if you eat wholesome food and you cannot seem to put on the weight, then I guess that's just the way you're made up. And, and you know, your body is reacting to what you eat. And I think that if you have your blood tested, if you go to a physician and say, I'd like to know what my blood, how is my red blood count, my white blood cell count, uh, you look maybe for your cholesterol, you check out your uh, your how your thyroid is functioning, maybe it is hyperactive, maybe we have to slow down the thyroid a little bit. Uh, then those are things that I would look at first. Because if, if you go to a doctor who you trust and you say, uh, you know, and the person says, you know, Maxim, everything is just right on. I mean, I would tell you if it was wrong, then I think that why would you change a good thing? Well, see, that, that's just it. It, it. it seems like the more energy I put into my body, the more I use. Yeah, I'm extremely active for, for a man in his 50s. I can do just about anything physically. Yeah. And so I, I don't really have any deficits. I don't have a, a decrease in energy or anything like this. Are you cold? Like, Are you no. cold? No? No, I used to be. In fact, uh, I, I used to hate the cold. And, and, and so that made my move to Montana kind of a weird-looking thing. But Yeah. Um, no, I'm getting acclimated, and, and the cold doesn't bother me like it used to. Uh-huh. But um, 
I just like to put on a few extra pounds, you know, maybe five or ten pounds of of just, you know, reserve, I guess you could call it. Have you looked but, into your increase in protein, Maxim? Um, well, I consume a fair amount. I love fish. Yeah. Um, I eat a lot of meat. Um, every meat. I, I like all kinds of meat. Yeah. But I just can't gain a few extra pounds. I, part of it, I only eat when I'm hungry. You know, I don't necessarily make a routine of meals at a specific time. Mm-hmm. I get hungry, and, and I can pork out. I can pig down and, and eat a couple of big plates of food. Wow. But then I just burn it up uh, physically. Yes. And for some reason, I just can't retain, you know, a healthy amount of, of reserve fat. Uh-huh. And, and that's why I've got it's this It's a tough question, yes. Grocery store, every time I go in, everything's low fat, no fat, zero fat, fat-free. Yeah. And I'd, I'd like a little bit of extra healthy fat. Hmm. Well, you know, you you know, of course, about the the, the fish oil. Uh, you're doing good on that. I, you know, it's interesting. I, uh, I actually at this point do not have an answer for you, Maxim, uh, because you know I've been focusing indeed more on people who have the weight problem, where they they gaining too much weight, and uh, you find out that it could be hormonal or do that it could have to do with, uh, uh, um, you know, thyroid problem. Um, you know, or just because of what they're eating and not have enough exercise. But it looks like you're very active. Uh, you feel healthy. It's just that you want to put on the extra pounds. I don't know if anybody is listening who can enlighten us on that. Um, but I will do some research on you uh, on this and uh, see what I can find out. Because just to go high on carbohydrates and cut down on your protein and fat, then I think uh, you might put in the wrong kind of carbohydrates that, again, turn into the wrong kind of fat. And you don't want the wrong kind of fat. You just want to overall put on some more weight, not just around the middle. Well, I can't seem to gain any weight. You know, I'll start off the morning with about three cups of coffee, and each one of them will have like four or five teaspoons of sugar in it. Yeah. And, you know, you'd think that 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 in itself would uh, add a little bit of weight. But no, I can't keep an extra pound at all. Well, I would be really concerned about... um, Spiking your blood sugar, as Dr. Strand has said, that um, just it can do the same amount of damage with or without the added weight um, that's uh, visible, um, what it's doing uh, to your arteries, what he said about the, um, the, the quivering that can actually happen in the arteries four and five hours after spiking. So I would say, you know, continue to keep that balance of your carbs, proteins, and good fats. Keep that in balance and uh, and then perhaps check out your metabolism with a physician and see if if you're burning a little too too hot. Yeah, see how that works. Maxim, I do have another caller I'd like to get on. Maybe somebody who has, a, has an answer for you. Thank you. Okay, thanks for the call. Caller, you're the last caller of today. What is your name? How can we help you? I was going to help the other guy. Yeah, go ahead. Just have him drink two beers a day. <laughs> no kidding. It, it slows your metabolism a little, and it sure works for gaining weight. Interesting. But it overall you, weight, or is it more around the waistline? Well, I guess it starts somewhere, but <laughs> I don't think he'll have a problem. He's real active. Yeah, and he is skinny. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't mean in a negative way. It's just, uh, you know, but if you feel, if you don't feel good with it, that is one thing. If, but if you have a lot of energy and you're not cold and uh, it doesn't seem to bother you otherwise, just when you look in the mirror, you go like, I like to get some extra weight on. Uh, well, the beer might be the ticket. Yep. 
Well, thank you for the call. Bye. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that uh, Donna, it was great talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know you're going to get three hours in a few weeks, <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk with Donna at the end of the month. I hope, folks, you all will tune into that because it's going to be about intimacy, and this is a topic we never really tackled yet. And I know if we get it tackled in three hours, but I'm sure it will be very interesting. And it certainly does have a very strong bearing on our health. Well, there you go. And uh, so thank you so much for being with us today, thank sitting you. through the whole three hours. Yes, we, uh, it, was, it was very good to have you all with us, folks. Uh, Healthy for Life is the book by Dr. Ray Strand. And we'll talk to you later, raystrand.com. We'll talk to you next week at 7.